Well, um, just over these next few minutes, I just want to um, share with us just some thoughts from Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a character in the Bible that I just find inspiring. And, um, and I've not got a particular verse to read this morning because I want to kind of just look at some things over just the course of what happened during the first five or six chapters. And so we haven't got time to read six chapters uh, this morning. But, um, but I want to talk about this idea of working on the wall. You know, for those of you that are familiar with the, the story of Nehemiah, he was cupbearer to the king, which basically meant he tasted the wine before the king did, just in case there was something nasty in there that um, could have caused some severe damage. But um, in chapter 1, Nehemiah overhears a conversation amongst some people that are fairly close to him. And they were talking about the state of the city of Jerusalem, a city that was close to his heart. And he heard that the walls had been destroyed and that the city basically was in a mess. I don't know if you've ever heard or been involved in conversation or, or overheard conversations where it's been disturbing and it's a conversation that's not left you. It's remained in your mind and it may have caused you to maybe pray about that which you heard. Well, in this case, that happened to Nehemiah. And in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And what happened to Nehemiah in this moment is that he heard this conversation and he had this compelling concern for the city of Jerusalem. In fact, he wanted to do something about it. And at the end of his prayer, he said, give your servant success today and grant him favour. What happened, Nehemiah didn't just pray about this situation. He acted upon it. He knew that just praying wouldn't just be the answer. Those walls needed to be physically built again to restore the city back to which it had been before. And so what Nehemiah did is he began to pray. He began to go into the city and do some research and have a look round. And it says in chapter 2, verse 17... He walked through the city and examined the walls and examining the need. And in verse 17, it says, he addressed the people whenever the opportunity was there for him. He said, we need to do something about this. He included the people in his message. And what he did in that moment, he, he addressed the people in the city and he laid out a clear vision. He'd done some homework, he found out the needs, he found out what needed to be done. In fact, in all of that process, he went and had permission from the king to release him to go and do this work. I don't know how many of you at the start of this year had a bit of a new vision for your life. 
often for me it's to do a bit of exercise and to eat less food and all those kind of things and um, and over this past year or so having turned well I'm in my early 50s now and for those of you that are 50 plus you know you know what I'm talking about you kind of get those aches and pains and I had kidney stones and had to have some treatment for that and then I got sciatica and I'm thinking oh my days you know I'm falling apart and uh, I've always been active but due to these health conditions I became quite lazy and so at the start of this year I thought you know what? I'm sick of just like having a bad back and feeling a little bit of these aches and pains so I decided to take up yoga and so what I did I thought I'm not going to go to like a yoga class because I don't want to be doing that. So I downloaded an app on my phone and I paid like a subscription, 28 pounds for the year, so I thought 50p a week, you know, if, if I don't engage in it too often, it's not like I've wasted loads of money. And, um, and up to this point, I've done 18 yoga sessions. Now my abs are feeling it, they're a little bit sore this morning. And um, I'm following these instructors and I'm thinking, how on earth are they getting these positions? I just never know. But I'm hoping one day, that I'm going to be able to be a little bit more flexible and be able to achieve some of these things that they're doing. So I've got this bit of a vision for my, for my life right now to get fitter, to become a little bit flexible because I know that um, as the years go by, I'm just going to stiffen up if I don't. So I've got a little bit of a vision and I'm like, I can't do this on my own. Even though I'm the only person in the room doing the yoga, my wife, thankfully... It's holding me accountable. So in the morning, when I'm saying I'm going to do yoga at 7.30, and that alarm goes off, and I just put it on snooze, who's with me? Yeah. yeah. Helen's giving me the elbows in the ribs. I'm like, don't do that. I'm in a little bit of pain from yesterday's yoga. But she goes, come on, get on it. Get it, get it, get doing it. And so, and so she's holding me accountable to this vision that I've got to just get a little bit fitter and to become a little bit more flexible. And what Nehemiah's doing in this story, he's actually trying to get other people on board because he knows he cannot physically build these walls on his own. And what he's doing is bringing together community. Now, how many of you know that community is powerful? It is, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when it was the, the lockdowns and we were doing church online, I mean, it served its purpose and it was brilliant for me in the sense of being able to engage in a little bit of worship. I need help to sing. Um, I kind of like to listen to people that can really sing and then I kind of hum along myself. So we're really thankful for the sound man this morning for keeping the, the mic on mute while we were worshipping because I think a few of you may have left. <laughs> but community is powerful, isn't it? I love the fact that we're able to physically meet again. Being together in a room with people is powerful. And what Nehemiah's doing is he's looking to inspire people with some vision for the city and he's saying, look, the walls need rebuilding. We can do this together. And in verse 20 of chapter 2, it says, the God of heaven will give us success. How many of you believe this morning that God is on our side? Amen. That it will use us as brothers and sisters in Christ together, cooperately, to see God's kingdom advance within Basingstoke the surrounding areas and those parts of the world that you're touching not just through compassion but maybe there are initiatives that you're engaging in globally and it's important to have a vision in our lives not just personally but corporately 
Some of those stats I shared earlier about compassion and what's going on in Basingstoke, I mean, obviously, they thrill me of someone who's passionate about the work that we do. But what thrills me equally is the engagement that the churches in Basingstoke have in serving the poor and the mar marginalised through all those agencies and other things. I had the joy last summer of just um, connecting with Dave over lunch. And he says, I am available, but he said, we've got a luncheon on. He said, do you want to come and have some soup with me? And we sat in the room out the back here, had some fantastic homemade soup, a roll, a cup of coffee, and we just chatted. But the sense of community in that room was fantastic. The people that were there, they were enjoying the conversations and, and needs were being met. And God's called us as his church to bring his kingdom to this earth. And we can only do that as we work together in community and have some vision for what God's got for our lives. The other thing that I really love about the story of Nehemiah is that there was common purpose to their mission. He gave them a vision. He said the walls need real rebuilding. But in chapter 3, which actually can... You can just read through it, it can become a little bit of a, a boring chapter really because it just names a bunch of people and a bunch of gates. I mean, how inspiring is that? So they talk about the fish gate and the broad wall and the tower of the hundred, the sheep gate, the water gate, the dung gate. I mean, not all jobs are fantastic, are they? And they all have different sections and tasks, but roles within rebuilding this wall, but they have a common purpose. You see, within this church, you wouldn't want me leading worship. You just wouldn't want it. Because I've not got the gift of a singing voice. God didn't bless me with that. But he gave me different other things that I can use. But every single one of you here this morning and those that are engaging with us online, we've all got a part to play, haven't we, in building God's kingdom. I recently heard a, um, a minister um, give a message on the, the, the parable of the talents. And, and often we, you know, we can hear messages like, oh, you know, you're a one-talented person, a five-talented or a ten-talented. And he did some research and he said the equivalent now of one talent was one and a half million pounds. So the guy gave his servants a lot. So if you think you're a one-talented person, then you are of high value. Let me tell you, you've got something to do, something to give, something to offer. And so Nehemiah here, he sees that every single person is of value. They work within families, they work together. And the thing that I love about the, the, um, this chapter three is they use the word next to 21 times. And so-and-so was next to so-and-so, and so-and-so was next to so-and-so, and so-and-so was next to so-and-so. And the fact that they all work together next to one another, building the wall. Now, I can't believe for a second, at the end of the workday, they just sat there within their little family and said, oh, we've put a few bricks up there. Well done. Fantastic job. I actually think they would have shared food with their neighbours. So the person building the sheep gate would have shared food with people building the dung gate. This sense of coming together and the power of working together to outwork something that God had asked for the city of Jerusalem. 
And the fourth thing is they were in this collaborative community. They didn't just focus on their area. They would have had conversations, they would have talked, they would have deliberated about different kinds of things. And it says that in uh, chapter six, sorry, chapter four, verse six, it says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height for the people worked with all of their hearts. You ever done anything in life where you kind of did it half-heartedly? Kind of didn't work out too well, did it? Or kind of didn't accomplish the things that you wanted it to. But it says here that they rebuilt the wall with all of their hearts and they rebuilt it to half of its height. Now, I actually think that some families probably work faster than others. So there would have been this collaboration, there would have been this helping out of one another, serving together with a common purpose to achieve the same goal, to collaborate, to say, hey, we need to work together to help one another fulfill its purpose. I don't know what your gift, what your talent is, what you're passionate about, but what I do know is this, is that God has put those things in you to be a contributor to what he's doing within this church and this town. And so this morning, I want to encourage us as believers, as disciples of Christ, to work together with that common purpose in mind, that vision in mind see God's kingdom become more established within this town of Basingstoke and the surrounding areas. The wall was built in 52 days. Quite a phenomenal achievement really. I mean that picture that you can see on your screen is actually a part of the walls of Jerusalem. And so to rebuild that in 52 days was, 52 days was quite a phenomenal achievement. But it's because there was this working together. No attitude of actually, we're better than them. You see, we're all created in God's image. And he's given us the strengths and gifts that he wants us to use. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to continue doing what you're doing. To, maybe for some of you this morning, it's time to just re-engage again. I was talking to a friend recently and they were saying how since the pandemic they hadn't really re-engaged in church life as they were before. They'd been going to Sunday services and prayer meetings and engaging but the area which they served they hadn't really picked up again because they actually felt that there was no longer at a heart for that particular area of ministry but they just hadn't transitioned into serving somewhere else. I just encouraged them and said hey just do something. Just get your hands dirty. 
Just use what's in your hands and God will bless it. Whatever God asks us to do, whatever our gifts and talents and our contribution, there's one thing for sure, is that there will always be the poor and the marginalised amongst us. And what I love about Nehemiah is that even though he had this huge vision, this huge undertaking and task in front of him to rebuild these cities, the city walls, he still served the poor. There was people within their community that needed help. That looks quite a nice little banquet on the screen, doesn't it? It reminds me of uh, the feast we had at my son's wedding last September. He said, Dad, in the evening we just want like a cheese, um, well, it's not a cheese board, it's like a cheese, you know, table. He says, and we just want people to help themselves. And we were blessed to be able to, you know, help them make that happen. And we had a great day celebrating together. But the reality is not everyone's in the position to have those things in front of them. And so the question I want to leave with you today is, who are you inviting to your table to feast on what God's given you and why? So often we can be very focused on getting on with our own lives and not deliberately ignoring those things that are happening around us, but we kind of, life's just busy, isn't it? And sometimes there can be a need next to us or just down the road or on the other side of town. And we can just be too busy to engage in it. But I want you to consciously think about over these coming weeks and months and during this year of, as you live your life, as you continue to go about your business, who is it? What is it within your community where you can invite someone to come and be at your table to have those conversations, to be a source of encouragement? And to even do it over food. We all like food, don't we? But let's continue to believe this morning that what God's placed in our hearts, he will be faithful to accomplish that which he's promised. You know, for these children that we serve within these countries that we work in, who live in extreme poverty, you know, that they didn't choose to live there. They just happened to be born there. And as we've heard about what's already going on within children's lives and the impact that it's having from people that are serving and giving from this community. I just want to invite those of you that aren't engaging with us at the moment and potentially are able to, to invite a child to come and sit at your table, to come and sit alongside them, to stand alongside them, give them words of affirmation and encouragement to give them the education that they deserve. An opportunity to engage in a community, a church community, which will be life-giving to them. Many of these children that we serve 
would have described their life as hopeless before we began to have the opportunity to serve them. And so today, following today's service, there's some information and there's a table just outside where you're going to grab some tea and coffee. And I've got some children with me this morning from Togo that's looking for people to stand alongside them. This little girl, essay, she's six years old. She's one of four children in a family. But she's looking for someone to say, hey, I believe in you, I'm gonna be able to stand alongside you. I can afford 28 pounds a month, which is what it costs to sponsor. And out of that 28 pounds, we guarantee 80% of that money, a minimum, it's more like 87% will go to serve the benefit of that child. Can we extend our table this morning and invite someone else to join us in the context of global poverty and serving someone in desperate need? If you would like to do that, then please come and see me afterwards and I'd love to have a conversation with you and introduce you to some of those children that we have with us this morning. Before I hand back over to the team, why don't we just bow our heads? I just want to have the privilege of being able to pray for you as a church community this morning. In fact, I've got another video which I'll just show you once we've prayed, actually, and it will just give you a little bit of perspective about some of our work for some of you that may not have been introduced to it before. But Father God, I just want to thank you for Basin State Baptist Church. I want to thank you that they're a wonderful community, and I thank you, Lord, that their heart is towards you. I thank you, Lord, for the way that they serve their community so well. For the way that they're engaged in a number of community projects and initiatives that are serving the poor, the marginalised, those that are lonely. Lord, there's so many people within our communities that need you. Lord, poverty doesn't always express itself in a lack of food and money or things. But I believe for every human heart, we can experience poverty spiritually. For those that have not been introduced and accepted you as their Lord and Saviour. I thank you, Lord, that as we do that in our lives, you set us free. You bring our spirits alive. And you give us the opportunity to serve you, to work for you, to help build your kingdom here on earth. So Lord, today we just bring ourselves humbly before you and we say thank you for everything that you have done in our lives to this point. But Lord, we believe that you have more for us as individuals and as families and as a community. Lord, for those families that live in and around this area that are lonely, that are vulnerable, that are struggling, that don't know what to do next. I pray that you would move in their lives, that you would cause them to come across somebody from this community 
to engage in a life-giving conversation, to receive an invitation to either come here to a service or to something else, or even around their homes to have a meal together. But Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes that, to, that each day as we go about our business, we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and what you're doing in and around us. Lord, give us the courage to be obedient to that to which you're asking of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just watch uh, this video. It's uh, from Larego in the Philippines and just the impact that some of our work's happening there. Thank you. I grew up in this place. I saw these things happen in my community. At the very young age, I am exposed to drug selling, drug abuse, and drug running. Lorega is a ring in the air. If you say Lorega, then people will always associate you with drug addiction, with prostitution. Child protection is really one of the most important thing that we, uh, partners of Compassion, can do to help the child. I asked him, what are the dreams? And most of the mother cried. So I changed the question and I said, okay, if you don't have a dream for yourself, what is your dream for your children? And they cry more. And uh, after talking to more than 200 parents, I can't sleep. I can't sleep because imagining and thinking about, I will, I will be ministering to this place where people don't have really dreams. When I was young, I don't have any hope. But then when I came to know the Lord, it makes something new. He molded me into a beautiful one because of the hope that He gave me. It's really my dream that they can really be released from poverty in all aspects and can be an influencer in their community. I am now a teacher, so now I can teach more students. I can teach more children, mothers, because God teach me. And I want to use my life as a living testimony to those people who don't know Christ yet. Lorega now is totally different. Before, every taxi driver will not come inside Lorega, shooting every day. But Lorega now is uh, totally open with the gospel. I am here standing in front of you because I am one of those children. My sponsor was from the U.S. Through her, I am now a graduate student of the Bible School. I always dream with our children because their lives have been giving hope in the community. When other children will see them, it inspires others. Compassion International, the staff, the caseworker, plays a major role to instill into the child that there is hope in spite of poverty. And Larigia now is a, is a better place than before. God is my cornerstone. And He has done beautiful things in my life. 